Well, hello, my name is Wes Butler, and I have a new life in Christ and am in recovery from anger, lust, and people-pleasing. Well, listen, uh, guys, I like to think of myself as an aggressively defensive driver. I don't know if there's anybody else out there that feels the same way. Uh, now, I come by it honestly. On the one hand, I really am just kind of by nature a pretty cautious person. I'm not a big risk taker. taker. I'm a rule follower. And so, uh, so that's on the one hand. On the other hand, I, I grew up and learned how to drive on the highways of Houston, Texas, which is basically like, uh, it's just survival of the fittest out there, guys. It's just, that, that's what I grew up doing. And so the reality is the safest thing that you can do in Houston, Texas is to be an aggressive driver. If you are not an aggressive driver, you're actually more unsafe than you would be if you just drove aggressively. And so this follows me in a lot of places. Well, this weekend I was uh, traveling with my family up to Stillwater, Oklahoma. My son is uh, in school up there. And so we, we like to take the back roads when we go up there, which means a lot of two lane highways. And so as we were driving along, at one point I was behind a, a car, uh, let's just say maybe it was three cars that were just not going at a speed that I approved of and I was ready to get around them. And so I kind of waited till uh, the lanes were ready and I took off and I hit the accelerator and I was after it. I was trying to pass all three cars at once, which apparently you're not supposed to do, but I was trying to do it. And I got past the first two cars and all of a sudden we're coming up to the crest of a hill and that line is changing from a dotted line to a solid line, you know what I'm talking about? And so the rule follower in me is like, we gotta get over. And so I slam on the brakes, kind of weave over into that lane behind that guy. And my son, my 15 year old son in the back seat goes, dad, what are you doing? Now, I don't think by asking that question, he was actually trying to get my instruction on uh, how to be a driver, right? Even though he is in driver's ed right now, that wasn't the point of his question. By asking that, what he was really saying is that the acceleration of the car, the slamming on the brakes, and the quick jerk of the steering wheel scared him half to death. And he was wondering and trying to figure out if I had gone crazy, if I was losing my mind. So I start with that story because in many ways it is an illustration of my battle with anger through the years. When I've chosen the, to operate out of my own wisdom and not out of the wisdom of God. See, often my impatience over things that are not quite the way that I think that they should be leads me to quickly determine the motives of others, to accelerate my emotional response to their unfair treatment of me, which leaves people, most often the ones that I'm closest to and that I love the most, scared of my reaction and wondering if I have, in fact, lost my mind. Whether it escalates into yelling or, or maybe it's just kind of that, uh, that body language, those uh, nonverbal noises that you can make that just kind of let the world around you know that you're fuming on the inside, whatever it might be, my anger handled my way does not produce the righteousness of God, as the book of James says it. So tonight we are continuing our series on wisdom from the Proverbs. Last week, Dave talked about the definition of wisdom being living God's way in God's world. See, God is the creator and the designer of this thing that we call life. And as the creator and designer, he's given us an owner's manual and said, hey, this is the way that this life that I created and I designed is lived best. And so what do we see then in God's owner's manual about the wise approach to this thing called anger? Well, tonight we're gonna take a look at that and just see what God's word has to say for us. Now, before we do, I, I wanna make sure that we understand what anger is. What, what is anger in its purest sense, in its purest form? You see, anger in and of itself is not sinful. If you look at the, the region struggle sheet that's online or you could pick up out in the lobby, you see in big, bold letters this. It says, quote, anger is a God-given emotion that signals when something is wrong. 
Anger alerts you to hurts, injustices, fears, or frustrations over unmet expectations and needs. By this definition, we see that anger is a good thing given to us by God intended to be used for good purposes. So if that's true, and we are living in God's world and there is a way for us to act wisely, then what is it that wisdom would have us do here? Well, I just wanna give you one point tonight. If you wanna write this down, it's gonna be really complicated, but I just wanna give you one point that I think the wisdom of the Proverbs points us to, here it is. And you might not even have to to write it down, but, but here's the one point, it's this. Slow down. That's it. Slow down. You see, every time when you open up the Proverbs, any time that anger is talked about in a positive light, it's always talked about connected to the word slow. Slow to anger. And so Proverbs 14, 28, or sorry, 29 says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. And then we look over at Chapter 15, verse 18, it says, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. And then you flip over to 1632, and we read this. It says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And then Proverbs 19:11 says, good sense makes, us, makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So it's so interesting that every time anger is talked about in a positive light, it's connected to this idea of slowing down. And so I just want to share with you what I think are just five reasons why it is that being slow to anger is the key to wise living as it relates to anger, of dealing with our anger in an appropriate way. And so this is not necessarily a comprehensive list. It's just some of the observations that I've made in my own life and that I look at and I see here in some of the texts that we've just looked at. But here's five things that I think we see that when we slow down, it does this. The number one thing is this. It enables us to determine what is really going on. You see, most often what we do is that emotional response hits and we immediately react out of the emotions to whatever we feel like is the injustice that's going on without taking the time to critically think through and go, okay, I wonder what exactly is going on here. And slowing down allows us to ask questions, to communicate well, to seek to understand before we just react to the injustice that we might feel in that moment. Proverbs 19.11 that I read just a minute ago says, hey, sometimes the wise are those who slow down in such a way that they can go, hey, you know what, that's an offense that is worthy of me just overlooking. It's not something for me to get angry about. And so the question that, that comes up is, is this something that I should be angry about? And slowing down allows us time to to really examine that. Brant Hansen wrote in his book, Unoffendable, he wrote this. He says, in the moment, everyone's anger always seems righteous. Anger is a feeling after all, and it sweeps over us and tells us we're being denied something we should have. It provides its own justification. But an emotion, he says, is just an emotion. It's not critical thinking. Anger doesn't pause. We have to stop and we have to question it. So when that Emotion of anger wells up inside of you. Do you pause long enough to question, okay, is this something that I should be angry about? So slowing down enables us to determine what's really going on. Number two, slowing down enables us to grieve genuine hurt. You see, so often what we do in the emotion of the moment is that we are looking for justification. We are looking for retribution. We're looking for someone to take this out on without pausing for a minute and just going, hey, can I just feel hurt? Can I feel the sorrow and the sadness of this injustice that that may be there? And I know many of us are in the room tonight and, and man, we have had some significant injustices done to us. 
And so that anger that we feel, that emotion we feel is a God-given emotion that says, hey, something isn't right. And yet, have you paused long enough to genuinely just allow yourself to grieve? The word that the scriptures use for this is the idea of lament, to mourn, to cry out in prayer and in anguish to our God who hears us in the midst of our pain and to bring those pains to him. Mark Vrogop in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, says that lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. And when we slow down our anger long enough to genuinely grieve whatever it is that is wrong and whatever it is that's going on that, that has hurt us or maybe something that we've done that has hurt others, when we grieve that, we are actually offering up prayers of trust to our God who hears us and sees us in the midst of our brokenness. And so when we slow down, it enables us to determine what's really going on. It enables us to grieve genuine hurt. The third thing is this. It gives us time to consider what is the right response. What is the right response? See, so often when I'm quick with my anger, really what I'm doing is I'm looking for a self-seeking, self-soothing reaction to whatever it is in that moment. So if it's a kid that is not quite behaving the way that I think that he or she should, then raising my voice and, and letting them know how I really feel about them in that moment, that's not really serving them. It's really just serving me. It's a self-seeking effort on my part. And yet when I slow down, when we are able to slow down long enough, what we are doing is we have an opportunity to rightly respond to the moment, to consider what is the right response. And so if we can just slow down long enough, we can examine and have that critical thinking that we talked about earlier and just go, okay, what, what is it that should be done? Because if there is injustice, if there is hurt, guess what? Something does need to be done. Something does need to be done. But we want to act out of wisdom and not out of compulsion in that moment. And so anger can be used rightly to lead us to a, a time where we pause and we slow down long enough to go, okay, what is it that rightly I should do in this moment? The fourth thing that slowing down allows us then to do is this. It leads us to rightly consider who it is that we're trusting in to deal with the injustice. You see, when, when we just kind of respond out of the, the quick-tempered uh, moment what we are doing is we're saying, look, I, I've got to take control of this. I've got to do something right now. I am the one who will solve this problem. I am the one who will deal with this injustice. And what we do is we actually put ourselves in the place of God, who says in Romans 12, 19, when Paul says, he, he writes, he says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And when we slow down long enough in the midst of our anger, we get to step back and say, okay, I, I want to, to rightly consider who is it that will ultimately bring justice? Who is it that ultimately will bring peace where there's no peace? So slowing down in our anger enables us to determine what's going on, to grieve genuine hurt, gives us time to consider what is the right response. It allows us to rightly consider who we're trusting in for the, the vengeance to be paid. And then finally is this, it's so important guys, is that slowing down allows us the opportunity to reflect the character of God. You see, when we slow down, what we are doing is we're actually reflecting back to the world the character and nature of God. The phrase slow to anger shows up 14 times in the ESV, in the English Standard Version of your Bible. Of those 14 times, nine of those times are in the description of God himself. 
In fact, one of the most important moments in your Bible is in Exodus chapter 34, where Moses is pleading with God. He's saying, God, I want to see you. I want to see you for who you are. And so God takes him and he hides him in the cleft of this rock and he covers him with his hand as he passes by because he knows that for him to see his full glory would kill Moses. And yet as he passes by, God utters these words. He says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. You see, when we live this new life in Christ, what we are doing is that we are putting ourselves under the power and being empowered by the same power that raised Christ from the dead in order that we might live out the life of Christ. It's Galatians 2.20. says, I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, it's not I who live, it's Christ who lives through me. And when we slow down, it is Christ living out his character and his nature through us. So as I close, I want to show you something. I brought this tonight. This is um, something I got in Ethiopia years ago. So I used to go to Ethiopia quite a bit, take uh, friends over there. I love uh, my Ethiopian friends. And when, I, when we would go, we would go out to the pastures where uh, oftentimes you had little kids who were tending their flocks, whether it was uh, sheep or goats or cows or whatever. And they were carrying around whips like this. And they were pretty amazing. Now, they can do what I can't do, which is they would take this thing and they would crack that whip and it sounds like a gunshot going off. It's so loud as that end of that whip breaks the sound barrier. And so I was like, man, that's awesome. I want to take one home to my kids. And so I went and I asked uh, one of the, the shepherds, I know, not for the kids. I just want to be really clear, okay? It was a toy. My wife was like, what kind of toy did you just give your kids? But I, I wanted to take it home and show it to them, right? And so, uh, so I, I went and I asked one of the shepherds, I said, hey, could, could you make me one of those whips? And he goes, yeah, sure, just come back tomorrow. And so what he did is for the next, I don't know, hour, two hours, three hours, however long it was, he took time to hand weave this thing. And then I came back the next day and he gave it to me. I, I paid him something and, uh, and it was just such a, a cool gift to take, to take home. So the reason I, I share that with you is this, is that you see there's this moment that oftentimes when people are talking about their anger and feeling justified in being angry, they go to, they go, well, hey, what about Jesus? Remember that time that Jesus went into the temple and he flipped over the tables and he took a whip and he scattered them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but if you look at John's account in John chapter two of that moment, what you see is that Jesus saw the injustice that was being done. He saw the tax collectors taking advantage of the poor. He saw what was not right in the temple. And then it says he went and he lashed together his own whip. Which means that Jesus went and sat down for who knows, an hour, two hours, three hours, and he slowed down to consider the injustice that was done, probably to talk to his father about what, is, what was his role in that moment. What was he supposed to do? And then led by the Spirit in a righteous anger, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And friends, as we have opportunity with our anger to model back for God, uh, model back to this world who our God is and what is his character like. We should slow down long enough to say, Lord, will you fill me with your power and your presence so that I can reflect back to this watching world the character and nature of God.